Praise the Lord. So uh, we're going to read out of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 verse 24. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So Luke 7 24 says, when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. And this is Jesus, right? He is speaking and he's talking about John. And he's, you know, kind of describing him and giving him some, um, some props here. He says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? In other words, just nothing, just, just the wind blowing? Verse 25, but what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in king's courts. In other words, you're not going to find this, this well-dressed, well-manicured man out there in the wilderness, you know. Uh, save those for the king's courts, you know. That's where they live. Verse 26, but what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, or before you, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women... There is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Praise God. Amen. What a wonderful word here. And we see that Jesus, amen, uh, uh, Jesus is, is describing John and he's describing him in a very nice way. He's saying he's, he's giving him a lot of credit. He's saying He's not just a prophet. He, was, he is more than a prophet. This is a great man out there. This is someone that kind of has prepared the way that has come and, and, and prepared the way before me. So he speaks very highly and very well of John. But he does say, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So the last one, the smallest one, the most sin-filled person, as long as he is able to make it into the kingdom of God, greater is he. Greater is he than John. We used to, um, you know, back then we used to joke about medical students. It's like, what do you call a medical student that barely passes their exams? Call him a doctor, right? They're a doctor anyway, right? So, you know, it's just making it in there. It's just getting in there. And sometimes you might hear the expression, I, I made it in through the skin of my teeth, or I barely made it in. You know what? Just make it into the kingdom of God. That's all you have to do. Just get in there. Get in there. I don't recommend barely making it in. 
because there's a there's a chance that you may not make it but just make it in there get in there try your hardest uh, you know uh, try every single day there is something that you can do every single day to try and to try and to try and increase that and get better and better and better and you just want to make it in there amen and so those are very strong words that Jesus says as long as you can get in there just if even if you're the smallest one you are greater than John the Baptist that that's kind of that's pretty amazing that those that's if you think about that amen so what Jesus was doing here in this in this passage he was just breaking the mold of what the Pharisees thought the model should be for serving God you know Jesus was dealing with the heart of man and and not with rituals he, he was not dealing with culture or lifestyle you know which was a concept that the Pharisees simply could not understand. It, it was like foreign to them. Jesus was trying to show them that salvation was more than just an outward lifestyle or the ability to act a certain way, to dress a certain way, to look a certain way. It was more than behaving a certain way in, in the temple or outside of the temple. And Jesus was coming and he was dealing with the heart of man. Jesus was trying to get them away of just a simple ritual of acting a certain way or being certain people. But their hearts were, were evil. Their hearts were poisoned. And he was trying to uh, break that. He was trying to uh, get them away from that. And just because they did something a certain way for generations it was not what he was calling them to be during this time Jesus was interested like I said in the heart of man he was trying to show them salvation through love that, that through forgiveness of sin amen he was trying to show them that salvation was available to those that were willing to repent not just that they were part of a certain group of people or part of a certain uh, uh, nationality or anything like that. But it was going to be available. It was available for those that were willing to repent. Those that came with a contrite heart that they too could have access to that throne of grace. But he was dealing with a very stiff-necked generation. He was dealing with... A group of people that were, you know, this is how we've done things. This is how we do things. And for generations and generations, and this is exactly how we are doing th things. And he couldn't get them out of that mindset. And let's read verse 29. Verse 29 says, and when all the people heard him, this is Jesus, when they heard him, even the tax collectors justified God in other words they acknowledged that the validity of, of God's justice having been baptized with the baptism of John but the Pharisees and lawyers 
These were the experts in the law, okay? These were the experts. These were the guys that knew the book, that knew the scriptures. It says they rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Very sad situation there, very tragic. Because you have the people that were not, you know, that were not, I'm going to say the smartest or they were not the academically, uh, uh, you know, intellectuals. They were able to see through that. They were like, you know what? This man is right. This man is bringing truth. What he is saying, it's the right thing for me. But yet the smarts. The, 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 I don't know, the engineers, the, the lawyers, you know, the, the scribes, the people that were just well-educated there. They're like, no, we don't believe this guy. He's, I don't know, he's bringing a sham or something. And so they rejected, they rejected God for themselves. They rejected that. And, and some justified God, and so they accepted him. Like I said, they validated what was being spoken but the pride and the arrogance of the Pharisees did not allow them to accept the counsel of God. The wickedness in their hearts did not permit them to see that there was something wrong with their attitude. They were, you know, elevated. They were haughty. They were proud. They were conceited. And... They were like, this is how we do things here. And there is no other way. It blinded them. It was the root of their failure. They were like children complaining over petty things. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is the heart of man. Jesus wants to deal with your heart. He wants to deal with my heart. He just doesn't want to deal with our actions or how we do things. I think that you can come to church and be here for a few services. Even if you're the newest convert, you'd be here in two weeks and you know the motions, you know the, the, you know what we do, you know the agenda, you know how we dress, you know how we act, you know how we comb our hair, you know, you know how to do all those things. And you can take on those things, but Jesus wants to deal with the heart of man. Because in the heart is where everything starts. In the heart is where everything has a beginning. And uh, let's read verse 31. Verse 31 says, And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a glatton, a wine-bibber a friend of the tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all her children. And so he's, he's describing these people or the, the Pharisees or the people of that generation. And they're like, these people are so petty. They are 
there is no winning them. They, they just, they, they, you can't reason with them. You know, and he gives examples where he's saying, you didn't dance for me. Like, we, hey, we did this for you, and you gave me no acknowledgement. I did this, and you didn't give me an award. Or I did that for you, and, you know, there was no acknowledgement. And that spirit sometimes, or often, comes into our church. And we, we too, cry or complain over petty things like that. And we should be beyond that. We should be above that. We should rise way above that. Because the church is here for one purpose only. One single purpose. And that is for soul winning. That's why the church exists. It's not for me to get credit because I did something. It's not because, I don't know, can it, I mean, we definitely like to acknowledge things. The word of God says, give honor where honor is due. Amen. Credit where credit is due. But that's not the gist of it. That's not everything. And Jesus revealed the poorness in their attitudes. It, 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 he proved the inadequacy uh, that they had to lead or to guide people. All because of their attitude and unwillingness to change. They were unwilling to change. He compares them, like I said, to children. You, you know, he's like, you didn't do this for me or you didn't do that. Have you ever worked with someone like that? Not in the church, but, you know, somewhere else. At work, I don't know. In your family, I don't know. You know, and like I said, unfortunately, sometimes we become much like them. We, it, 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 it probably resonates to a lot of us. We that have walked with the Lord for so long, we forget sometimes that he calls people from all walks of life and lifestyles and all types of sin and all types of, all sorts of culture, creed, religion, I mean, and, and, and can fall into this mindset. We can fall into this mindset where we believe that the way that we do things is the only way for them to be done. We even become petty, like I said, in our attitudes, in our heart. Now, I'm not contending with doctrine here today. You know, the Bible makes it very clear how one should be saved and what is sin. Amen. What I'm saying is don't be uh, caught up. Don't be ensnared with the Pharisee mindset. Do not allow yourself to be ensnared by that. You know, God wants to do great things with you. Amen. He wants to do great things with great works with this church. Allow yourself to be prepared for that change. Allow yourself to be ready for a different process, for a different way of accomplishing things. <clears throat> it was made very clear by Pastor Cortez. Amen. We met. Made it very clear. He says, we are here to win souls. That is our purpose. And that's going to be our mission moving forward. And, and, and if you think about it, 
that is why the church is here. We're here to win souls. So if you have won souls in the past doing one method, I mean, there is no one way to do it. There are many ways to do it. And we have to be willing to adapt. We have to be willing to accept the change because we don't want to be caught up in this mindset where we say, this is how we've done it. And we're not changing. That doesn't work. And, and we see here that there was no winning with the Pharisee mindset. So because as you saw in verse, um, in verse here uh, 33, where John didn't come to be a social guy. Okay, he didn't come to eat and drink with the people. And they said, oh, he has a demon, you know, because outsider here, you know. And then he says, the son of man, okay, the son of man comes here and I take the time to dine with you. I take the time to be with you. I take the time to talk to tax collectors and to talk to sinners and to heal the sick and to do this and to, and to mingle with the with the poor, you could say, or those that are in need. And what do they say? Oh, look at this bad guy. Look at this glutton. You know? They're calling, it's like there was no winning with their mindset attitude. He just couldn't, he, he couldn't. And so the problem was in their heart. They were unwilling to see what could be done. They were unwilling to see what was folding out what was unfolding in front of them and too often our hearts get us get the better of us amen I've I've been here we say I've been here for so many years you know I deserve this or I deserve I don't know a title I deserve a position or something or I should be allowed to do this or that and we're so involved in ourselves we forget the true reason why Jesus came to this earth and why he was curing infirmities, afflictions, evil spirits, and healing people, giving the blind their sight. We forget why he was here doing that. He was showing people who he was that they should believe in him. Not in us. Not in, in, in us per se, personally, but in him. And some got it. Some people got it. But the supposed experts, the veterans, the people that were there for a long time, the people that knew the word, just went right over them. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Don't fight for a title. Don't argue for a position. God puts and removes people. Just do your job. That's it. Serve where you are asked. God knows the plans that he has for you. Just serve where you are asked. God knows what he's doing. He is always in control. He is always in control. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Verse 36 says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. 
and who went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. This Pharisee's name was Simon. Verse 37, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And it was customary at the time when you, when the people, or I'm going to say the commoners, found out that there was a teacher, a rabbi, a master, somebody speaking at someone's house, you didn't have to get invited. You could just kind of go and, and listen to what was being said. And it was scarce to, to be hearing the word of God. So I imagine that's one of the reasons why it was okay to just show up. Maybe you didn't have like front row seat, but you could at least be with there within an earshot and hear what was being said. So this woman says, I got to go, you know, it says, and the verse 38 says, and stood at his feet. And this is, she stood at Jesus's feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, with, with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." think about that for a moment so this guy is judging amen he's judging this woman because she is a sinner it's like what is she doing here you know and he's like why doesn't Jesus ask her to leave you know he doesn't he know who she is and Simon the Pharisee, the smart guy, the intellectual guy, the guy that knew this book, failed to realize who was sitting in his house. Even though he initiated that invitation and asked Jesus to come, he failed to see who was there in that house. If you ask me, this Simon guy, he had a very poor heart. He had a terrible attitude. His superiority, his position, his role as a Pharisee got the best of him. Where he ranked in society, made his star shine too bright with his own opinion. You know, he was too pride and arrogant in his role as a Pharisee that he failed to recognize what was playing out before him. He failed to see the events that were unfolding in front in his own house. He was so focused in judging this woman, bringing out her dirty laundry of a sinner, that he could not make room in his wicked mind for the path of a sinner to come to Jesus. Amen. He just couldn't, he couldn't, it, 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 was, it couldn't make sense in him. And I would even go as far to say that he was an evil man. Maybe there was curiosity in him because he invited Jesus to his house, but he was not interested in learning from the master. 
He was not interested in learning from Jesus. Even though he initiated that invite, he asked Jesus to come eat with him. Yet, he deliberately did not follow hospitality customs in their culture. Which, as a Pharisee, he should have been, been very well acquainted with. He was to kiss his guests. He was to offer water for their feet. He was to offer them water to drink. There were so many customs Jewish people were familiar with, yet Simon did none of these. The arrogance in his heart was too busy condescending a woman in his mind. But Jesus, who knows the heart of man, says this, and let's read verse 41. He says, verse 40, he says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. It's almost like he's over here judging her, and then Jesus calls him, and he's like, yes, master, go ahead, you know, proceed, you know. So verse 41 says, There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. If you capture, if you capture the, the, the fullness, the essence of this passage... It's quite an amazing thing. And let us not be like this Simon. He, he didn't even, I mean, just the basic, the basic uh, uh, of things. You don't, he didn't kiss his guest. He didn't even bring him water that he needed. Just the most basic things. And he rejected that. He deliberately rejected that. So let's not be like this, Simon. You or me, none of us. You know, and I've said this before, let's check our attitude in the door. Let's leave any type of privilege that you feel is owed to you, leave that outside. Let's focus on the cause of the cross. You know, let's pave the way for sinners to come into our house and find salvation. Yes. You know, 
let's make a way for that backslider to come back to church. We don't need to make it difficult for them. They already feel bad. You know, we don't need to, uh, we don't need to add to that. Let's make it easy for them to come back. Like I said earlier, when people come, they need to be impressed with something. Let's make it easy for people to return. Let's forget our position, what is owed to us, the time we've invested. That's a common phrase. I've put in 20 years of work into this house or something like that. Yes, praise the Lord for that. You know, God is a great accountant. He keeps track of everything. He keeps track of everything. You will receive your reward. You will receive that. But right now here, don't worry about that. It's about the lost. It's about the souls. It's about the backslider. So just because you've been walking with Christ for years and you feel perhaps that there is no sin in your life and maybe you're squeaky clean, that's fine. Don't take an attitude of superiority to the sinner around you. Don't take the, ad, this, the attitude that it's, it's my way or the highway, you know. That this is the only way we do things here in this church. God is going to accomplish his purpose in many unconventional ways. There is no one way for God to operate. Even when we don't agree with them. So don't be so occupied with the rituals, with the... With, where, you know, that you can't see the sinner in front of you loving on God and begging for forgiveness. Don't be so occupied with things. I, I heard this in a preaching a long time ago, and, and I've taken it, I, I said, you know, I, I apply it to myself. It, it said, Revel um, observation is the first level of revelation. Look around. Look around, see who needs prayer, who needs someone to, for you to go alongside of them and, and pray for them, uh, you know, uh, just start ministering to them. And God is going to reveal to you what the need is, what is it that you should pray for. And if he doesn't, just ask them, say, what do you need me to pray for? Right? So observation, be on the lookout. Is the first level of revelation. You know, Judas betrayed the master with a cheap kiss. There was no substance in that kiss. There was no true love. There's no girth in that action. It was superficial. It was superficial. That our love for God may not be in that same manner. That our worship may have true meaning behind it. That it may fill the heart of God with sincerity. There are too many that superficially love God on Sunday and the rest of the week we forget about him. That's not love. Let's truly though connect with our God so we have the heart and the mind of Christ. Amen. 
that when we see the backslider coming afar off, that there is true welcoming in our hearts. That same God would do for us. God does that for us. And we have no doubt in our minds when we say, Lord, forgive me for this. Here I am again. We come to the altar. Lord, here I am again. Sorry, I messed up during the week. I did this. I did that. But when we see the backslider, oh, look at that guy. <laughs> I know what he's done. Or I know where she was at. No. Let's make it easy for them to come back. Let's make it easy for them to come back into that sheepfold. Amen. So let's drop our attitude that they must pay for what they've done. It's not up to us. It's between them and God. It's not up to us. We got to pray for them and that's it. We pray for them. You know, let's not have that older brother syndrome or attitude. The prodigal son had true repentance in his heart. As a matter of fact, he was not planning. He was not interested in coming back as a son. The word of God says that when he realized what was happening, he said, how many servants in my father's house are dining, are eating, are having a great time. And here I am dying of hunger, starving. So he was not planning even to come back as a son, but as a servant. He says, I'm not worthy. Yet in his mercy, the father loved on him so much that he made a feast when he returned and took him in. And he brought him back in as a son. This passage represents, is, you know, it's a representation of God's undying love for us. And how he welcomes us back and is ready to love on the sinner. Make a feast and lift him up into a position of a child of God. You will always be a child of God when you come to him with true repentance and with true, a true contrite heart. You'll never be a servant. You'll never be a stepchild. You will not be that redheaded stepchild. He will always take you in as a son of God. He has mercy for you. So who are we to judge the sinner? Who are we to judge the backslider? Who are we to judge the people that are trying to just get connected to God and are barely hanging in? It's not our place to do that. And our church is transitioning. It's in the middle of change. And we need to observe our attitude so that we are ready for the harvest. Brother Rick gave a, he said one word today. One word, harvest. And that's what we need to be ready for. The sinner is going to come. How will we handle this? How will we handle when we see the sinner come? How are we going to handle when we see the backslider? 
when we see those that are maybe not doing as great as us, they're just barely hanging in. How are we going to deal with that? How are we going to approach that? This altar is as much available to the sinner as it is to you and me. We sin too. And God forgives us. He wants the sinner to come today. And it's up to us to come alongside them and say, you know what? Whatever changes are happening, we're going to roll with this. We're going to continue serving God. We're going to continue praying for people. We're going to continue ministering to people. We're going to continue serving where we are placed. We're going to continue doing Bible studies. We're going to continue, amen, opening up small groups at homes. We're going to continue being part of small groups at home. We need to continue moving forward. And it may not be the same way as we've done in the past, but it can still be the right way. My encouragement to you to it is be a part of it. Be a part of it. Don't let this Pharisee mindset get a control of you. Don't let it sway you out from God's purpose in your life. There is purpose for you. You are here for a reason. You are here for a role, for a job. God wants to use you. He does want to use you. That's why you're here. He has a job for you. He has something for you. Be sensitive. Allow yourself to be a vessel for his service. Don't be judging people. Don't be calling out people. Let the pastor do that. You're not going to answer for them. As a matter of fact, you may or may not like the way that I preach. And if you like the way I preach, praise God. But I'm still not answering for you. You know who's answering for you? Your pastor. He's answering for you. So let, let him deal with the people. Let them call, out, call them out on things. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely, you know, if something's going on in front of you, you just can say, you know, stop that or something, you know, but it's between them and God. The true, the cause of the cross is what's important. Let's be on our feet. It's a short message today. But there might be some digging that we need to do in our hearts. Where, where is our attitude this morning? Where is our heart? Is, does it align with the mindset of a Simon? Or does it align with the mind of Christ that's focused on forgiveness? Now, whether you've been here one day or 20 years, we all need God in our lives. If you have separated yourself from the, your walk with God and you've just, you have not had an opportunity in your life to say, all right, Lord, this is the day I'm truing up with you. Let this be the day. 
God wants to save you. He wants you in his sheepfold. He wants you as part of those elect. He wants you. So I just invite you today. Start talking to your God. Connect with your God. If there's a reflection inside of you that need, you need to, you're reflecting on things and say, Lord, I need to do better in this area. Ask God for the, the will and the, 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 the strength to change that, to change our attitude. But if you need Christ today, I invite you into this altar. I'd like to pray for you. If you want to recommit your life to Christ, someone can help you here. They can pray you through and leave the sin behind. We're going to pray this altar is open. If you'd like to come, just connect with your God. It is available.